Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined today by Don Pizzette. Don, how you doing? I am doing great. You know, we've uh, we had a lot of tech news like normal and a lot of... Well, we're not going to cover it today, but political news going on in the world. So it's a it's a crazy market. We're, we're not going to cover that. Uh, I don't think so. No. I've, not it, a politics show. Didn't it's know very if you knew rare that. to see you in a non-logoed shirt. Oh know. yeah, it's it's just confusing. I'm like, are you on vacation? What's going on? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. And Daniel, how are you today? I'm, I'm not unwell, enjoying the fact that I'm wearing the uh, shirt that I should not be wearing. Apparently, but yeah, yeah that was meant for customers. But yeah. <laughs> but you gave me one. I, I did not. Don't you bring did. Me into this. He was like this whole stack of them on that table. (laughs) That was called a trap. (laughs) (laughs) Entrapment. Well played, That's what we did there, and that's Daniel Lowry. Welcome, Daniel. And we also have our special guest today, who is the CEO of Real Defense, Gary Gusinov. Gary, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Well, it's afternoon here. There's a whole time time thing. Yeah, you're you're out west. A little behind. Yeah. Well, uh, we wanted to jump in uh, right away and uh, learn a little bit more about you. And so let's do that in our first segment, which is Rapid Fire Questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Gary, in this segment, we're going to do some rapid fire questions. We'll rotate through the host here and we'll each ask you a question. A timer will appear on the right side of your screen. You'll have approximately one minute to answer each question. If you take too long, Peter will buzz you. Like that, and we'll move on to the next question. The first question is coming at you from Peter. And the first question is always an easy one. So can you give us the real defense elevator pitch? And let's say it's like a like a 10-story elevator. <laughs> sure. Okay, so that's a, that's a quick one. Uh, so Real Defense Holdings is an acquisition company that's focused on consumer privacy companies that are doing anywhere between $2 million and $15 million of TTM cash EBITDA. We're acquirers. Uh, we look for companies that are underperforming or performing below sort of the, what would be considered to be high growth category in the lower to middle markets. So at, at those uh, at those valuations, you're talking about small companies. It'd probably be companies that have just recently started, maybe a year or two in, in business. Uh, do you find that 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 makes things like more complex or easier. I, I know the the larger a company is, the more business they do in different markets, the more complex their earnings are. But when it's a startup, when it's just a you know, five or ten people in a single building, does that make things easier? Actually, the companies we look for are typically not startups. They're uh, companies who've been around for five to ten years and are um, usually carve outs from larger entities, larger enterprises. Interesting. Now, I know you've got a very extensive fake history when it comes to your job <laughs> uh, roles, but your first real job apparently was as a CEO. Um, were you always like an entrepreneur or how, how does that work out? Well, yeah, always uh, entrepreneur since uh, late 90s when I got into uh, technology space. I, I had a, a digital marketing company that I started in 1996 and um, right as the Internet was, was starting out. And so I've always been a CEO. I just want to see you in a pair of Jinkos 
and you know some glowy things starting sure. a company in 96 I'm I'm sure. Sure. back then things are still a little bit formal right we hadn't reached the t-shirt and blue jeans stage oh, yeah, yeah. Right. that was a little before that suit and ties suit and ties, <laughs> suit and ties. <laughs> yeah not, not the <laughs> the hoodie of the yeah, day and yeah. everything so no. so you have your your hand in in several different things i noticed you're you're a board member at a lot of places uh advisor uh how, how do you manage to to juggle all of that well, I, I prioritize my time and commitments, and so I my focus is real defense. And there are other opportunities that I've uh, taken advantage of in the past few years, uh, but they're all accretive and synergistic to what I'm doing with real defense. So, so looking at the website, there's a lot of different product, products uh, that you guys offer. Do you have any that you're like more proud of that you know were were harder to build or um, you know just are are really cool in their in their space, or is that like choosing between your favorite children? <laughs> uh, it's yeah it's i don't think it's nothing i don't think it's anything like that uh but it, it it's uh uh my my most sort of uh passionate product uh i'm product i'm more passionate about in the, in the in the category that i'm very interested in, in uh exploring and uh developing around is consumer privacy and so uh our system mechanic ultimate defense has a pretty extensive privacy uh, suite within the application and we're constantly building on top of it and so that's the area that i'm very interested uh, uh, you know very passionate about so we got some time left so least favorite <laughs> uh, least favorite this was uh, uh, probably antivirus because it's just it's a commoditized space and it's obvious and it's you need it you know it's like yeah, yeah. I thought you were Hoover.xyz. Yeah. I know that was yeah, a mistake. Was, yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, don't don't give away the ideas that we were talking about before the show. We got yeah. some great, great product ideas that are coming up. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about about the strategy you guys have taken to grow. And we t we talked a little bit about it earlier here, but in, in our next segment, we want to talk about mergers and acquisition uh, as the engine driving cybersecurity. So, uh, you know that that's a position that that you hold that, that that is that engine so why is that why do you think that's what's driving cybersecurity forward well a couple of reasons one is that there are a lot of gaps in cybersecurity either in the consumer or in the enterprise space um it, you know threats evolve constantly and we're always playing catch up and so if you look at any um environment whether it's an enterprise or a consumer there's always something that's missing in the cybersecurity technology stack and so you either build it or you buy it. And so building is uh, takes a long time. It takes a lot of capital and you might miss the, the you know, product market fit. If you buy, you're usually going to find a team of developers who figured that out, who have invested a lot of time and money into building out a particular area of the technology stack. And you can take advantage of their expertise and, and their trajectory or their velocity in the market and, and, and acquire them. Um, the consumer side is the same same thing. You're also buying customers. Uh, customer acquisition is expensive. Advertising is expensive, and as you get bigger, it becomes even more expensive. And so, uh, you're you're acquiring customers, the tech stack, and more importantly, people. Um, hiring people in cybersecurity is extremely difficult. It's a difficult area to be an expert in. Uh, education doesn't really sort of kind of get you to that point of expertise that you need to be at in order to be relevant in the space. And so 
you really got to have hands-on experience. And, um, you know, companies uh, value cybersecurity experts uh, probably more than someone who is not a cybersecurity expert, but also a technology expert. And so that's why uh, M&A is, 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 is strong and, and it's going to continue into the future. We also have a lot of threats. I and mean, if you look at it from the other side, uh, you know, what's the biggest thing that's facing your organization or your household? Cyber threat. So it's yep. pretty obvious. You know, it, it's really interesting to me because it, there are, uh, the cybersecurity space is really big. So there's a ton of different products and solutions that are out there. Some that focus on privacy and encryption and, you know, all sorts of different aspects. Some that merge it all together. I'm certain that there have been some people out there that had a great idea but they either weren't entrepreneurs or just didn't know how to turn that into a business and make it successful. Meanwhile, there's others that jumped right in and, and got really big. And maybe, maybe they had a great product. Maybe it was a mediocre product, but they just knew the business side of it. So do you feel that like as, a, as a, an organization that does a lot of M&A, are you going out and seeking organizations that have that, that great product but need that help with business leadership? Or are you finding that a lot of them already have that leadership in place? So for us, it's it's a combination of things that we look for, not one thing. So we look for uh, a company that has a customer base that has a product that's that's been installed and used by millions of users, not thousands. Um, we look for um, uh, profitable businesses, businesses that have a sustainable revenue stream, recurring revenue stream, or SaaS. And um, we'll look for metrics within these various areas of the of the of the company. And so, if those metrics fit into our box, if you will, then then we proceed with with an offer and, and make a deal happen. Um, oftentimes, they don't, and, and we move on. We're also not the most, um, uh, I would say, you know, highest payer in terms of multiple. And so, uh, we're not looking for the the high growth fast-paced organization that may have figured something out and they're creating this very huge valuation in the marketplace. And so we're more looking for the sort of the boring companies, the ones that are not, <laughs> you know, not, not growing so fast and maybe lack capital or some have some sort of a, um, you know, challenge uh, that we can overcome uh, if we were uh, the owners. But like I said earlier, we're more interested in, in a divestiture situation where a large company that has you know a division they're not interested in managing it anymore and have sort of let go of the reins uh, because of that and willing to do you know sell it for a, you know at a discount to market so that's the ideal scenario for us so i'm curious on the on the flip side kind of playing devil's advocate I feel like a product could could suffer in this situation that the it's purchased and then you know the the developers that were pushing so far behind it maybe aren't motivated anymore maybe leave there's turnover what do you guys do to avoid that and make sure that you're still able to you know support the product and continue to grow the product that's a good question so when we do an acquisition we actually keep everyone intact in terms of staff and developers and developers is a the lifeblood of the of these companies. So the last the last person I want to get you know get rid of is a developer or anyone for that matter that understands cybersecurity uh, within the acquisition spectrum of, of our targets, and so we we keep everyone on board. Um, the the you the the customer ultimately wins because if this company is a a division of a bigger company and uh, they're not focused on developing the product then the customer ultimately suffers because they're not 
updating features. They're not maintaining certain standards. When we come in, we do the opposite. We, we turn the product quality around. We invest into it. We invest into um, uh, standards and 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 uh, compliance and make sure that the product is up up to a certain you know level of of, of quality um, where maybe it wasn't before we did the acquisition. So we've we've done that a few times already and it's it's worked out. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, moving on to you know what you guys are working on now. I know you mentioned you have a, a couple of new products coming out. So probably acquisitions. But uh, can you tell us a, a little bit? I think one of them was a new VPN. Yes, so we're launching a uh, what's called IOLO VPN. It's a VPN platform, very similar to the, the some of the popular products out there. We have a uh, unique pricing uh, schema and and also a, a sort of licensing. Um, uh, we, we give we the, each license can work on five devices, and most of our competitors allow for to work on three devices. There's also some features and capabilities that are unique in the marketplace. Um, and a second product we've got coming out, it's called IOLA Safe Search. It's a privacy search engine, very similar to DuckDuckGo. It's going to allow you to surf the web in full privacy without being tracked. And so those are two uh, products coming out this quarter. Very excited about them. We think there will be high adoption. And um, we're, we're uh, targeting other products down the road, but all going to be focused on privacy uh, on your device and how you can control tracking. Uh, whether it's from from friendlies or non unfriendlies, search did well for like Google, so it'll, it'll probably <laughs> it'll probably be all set. Trillion, trillion dollars, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess a lot of search engines failed though too. Well, they didn't track like they, that Google does. What was the yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ghost Scout or Ghost Scout? It was like a dog. I you know there there have been several that failed over the years like Lycos and Webcrawler and those yeah. guys but Alta I think Vista. I think now like privacy driven search exactly. engines are really important and we have DuckDuckGo Start Page is another one and Brave's launching one but yeah you know they, they all kind of have mediocre results so it's a it's kind of a good market if somebody could if somebody could get that mix of yeah really good results spot. and yeah, yeah. Gary's yeah. on it. Yeah, we're we, that's exactly what we're focused on. Our, our uh, search is going to be uh, is going to give you the same sort of experience as you would expect from a search engine. So without we're not eliminating results or precluding you from seeing certain content. It's the opposite. What we're really doing is mitigating the trackable information so that there's a certain amount of information you can give up and certain information you don't have to give up. But more importantly, is giving you more control over how your information is tracked and not put you into this complex puzzle of tracking um, opt-out that Google puts you in. And so, it, it, you know, nobody wants to deal with that. And so, right. Yeah, definitely. Well, Gary, we uh, we want to thank you for taking the time with us uh, today, especially, you know, we're, we don't really talk about the mergers and acquisitions a lot and, and that kind of uh, growth. So that was interesting. So thank you so much. Pleasure being here, guys. All right, stay tuned, everybody. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and discuss the news from this week coming up on TechNado with Don Fazette. So right now, this is an awesome company. We've developed a study group environment where we have small groups of four to five people in each of our office locations that meet once a week, and they, they talk together about what they're doing in their certification. We developed a recommended reading list. We do a couple chapters, each one, uh, as well as the IT Pro TV videos. Not only does our company provide incentives to take the tests, but we pay for the tests. We also pay for the time to study on the tests, and we give a bonus to the employees if they pass the test. It's one thing to study for months on end toward a goal by yourself, but to have someone else 
with you. Like there's a lot, a lot of benefit of that. All right, welcome back to TechNado with Don Pazette and a lot of news to get to today. As as Don mentioned, uh, I guess we're not really we got into political stuff last week, but we're we're not doing that so much this week. But I just realize you're both wearing blue polos. You didn't get the memo? Yeah, I blue polo day. Yeah, I got the I binge on IT Pro TV on, shirt. On, on the day right we're down. filming this, it, it's Tuesday. <laughs> That's oh yeah, good. it's like Super Tuesday, yeah. and not the one we vote on. Two twenty-two, uh, not the one we. Th- that's right. <laughs> Which is um, and two. Not only a palindrome, but if you flip it upside down, it still reads the same way as well. An abin abindrome. Uh, I thought if you flip it upside abidram. down, doesn't oh, yeah. it say like Satan is great or something? Well, I mean, it always does that. But. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. It's one of those. Paul is dead. I don't yeah, know something. Yeah, yeah. He's not wearing shoes. <laughs> All right, let's get to our first article, which is from TechSpot.com. AMD surpasses Intel's market cap for the first time ever. And this is something I feel like we kind of predicted a little bit, like a, a year or so ago, that that we saw Intel making a lot of, a lot of dumb moves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, Intel has dominated the processor market for decades, for a long, long time. And, For like uh, ever, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, you had IBM before that. Oh, yeah, and right. And their, their processors, even Texas Instruments, you had several other chip players before Intel really just stepped in and dominated. But it was that Pentium, uh, man. But they've oh, never... Man. Yeah, all about that Pentium. But they, they never really killed all their competition. So there were always some other companies floating around. You had Cyrix for a little while. You had, uh, you know, a handful of others. And AMD has always been kind of floating along as that second place processor manufacturer nothing wrong with silver uh, no you know there yeah. isn't except uh, yeah. when the, you're you know the gold person gets so much more recognition <laughs> and they're, so much they're more the money. burger king of chip manufacturers yeah. well intel has had a few missteps over the last really over the last five years but you could say even a little bit further they kind of lost their way uh and amd has made up some ground in that time really really jumping some hurdles uh and with their acquisition of zilinx mm. the uh the fpga manufacturer they acquired them for something ridiculous. $49 billion all-stock takeover. There we go. Hmm. Uh, so with that, they have now become the processor manufacturer with the largest market cap in the entire world. They have surpassed Intel for the first time ever. What does market cap mean? So it's your, your market capitalization or how much money you can make. Oh, how not, much, not how much money you did make, but, but how, how much, much money you, you can, can make. How yeah. do they project that? Uh, so, Matt. Voodoo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. So yeah, somebody so, throws chicken bones no, no, on no, no, a pole no. of blood. It's much more serious. There's, uh, a, there's a thing you shake, and it says ah, sources point to ah, $49 billion. Gotcha. So they, they have their projected numbers, and it's the yeah, numbers yeah. they should hit. And, and they, they realistically should be able to hit. Okay. And, but this is not – it's not like AMD came up with a great idea last week, and all of a sudden – Just number one screwed up enough to – It doesn't mean that their CPUs are necessarily better than Intel's or not – this is growth by acquisition, right? So they yeah. bought a $50 billion company and that adds $50 billion to their value. And, yeah, nice. you know, and, and here Overnight. you are. So, uh, so it is just neat to see though, like AMD's really been making some big jumps. I still refuse to use AMD processors and servers. Uh, so there's that, but I, and why is that? Uh, well, performance. Uh, gotcha. in, Intel processors have always given me better performance, more reliable performance. But now with the ARM processors doing all that they're doing, I, I don't know. 
uh, I don't know how much we even yeah. need to worry about AMD. Yeah, how, versus how long anymore. before the M1 just takes over everything? And um, I, I don't think that'll happen. Well, at least something similar. But Intel has been investing in the Risk V chips and and some of the ARM architectures. AMD is working on some projects too. So I suspect we'll we'll see different ARM processors. Or I guess to clarify, like the M1 processor is not an ARM processor. Okay, it supports the ARM language. Mm. That that's how you talk to it right. using the ARM instruction set. So but the processor is completely Apple proprietary. Okay. So AMD and Intel could make their own processors that use the ARM feature set. Uh, and then you know you could have one operating system that could run on an Apple M1 or an oh, Intel right. whatever and so on. Do, they they do, won't do that, but you could. Do you feel like it's time to give uh, AMD another shot? Like, it, like you haven't used it in a while, but maybe... You know, it's been a while. Things have changed there. Yeah, I would say their, their desktop processors have really improved. Uh, their server processors, I do actually try them out from time to time. About every six months, I go and, and do some testing. Oh, okay. And uh, there's a, a website called Pharonix, which oh, is yeah. like a Linux yeah. news site. And that guy does benchmarks all the time. And you can see kind of how they're improving and, and getting better. Uh, but usually, usually AMD will give you better performance on a single core. And Intel will give you better performance across multiple cores. Gotcha. And servers use multiple cores. Desktops really don't. So that, that's usually where the difference is. Would you say for Intel, like the, the start of the decline was like Spectre Meltdown? Or was it before it, that? It was before that. They, they, had, they had a leadership vision problem, hmm. right? Uh, remember, uh, maybe you guys don't see. remember, but like when the Pentium came out, that was a big deal. People yeah. wanted a Pentium. And then when the Pentium 2 and the Pentium 3. Twice as good. Right? So, you know, the, and these were big jumps in, in megahertz. You know, yep. you went from like a 266 megahertz to a 450 megahertz, like almost yeah, double. you were like doubling your speeds, yeah. Well, then you get to today and like how many more cores can you pack in there? <laughs> and We're going to find out, I'm sure. And those cores <laughs> have been between like 2 and 4 gigahertz for years wow. now. Yep. So that they're not able to make those dramatic jumps. So you got to find some way to make your processors more attractive, and they just haven't really found a way to do that. And then with their five nanometer, their uh, uh, what's it called? Not a foundry. Um, oh hell, whatever. Whatever the equipment is they use to manufacture the, the yeah. processors, uh, their their factory was just screwed it's up. It's a three D printer. It was. It's a three D printer. It was getting like negative yields, and like they just could not manufacture those processors, and so they were stuck on larger dyes than all of their competition, and that that really hurt them. Well, that'll yeah. teach them to suck. Yeah, yeah. Got to be good they at CPUs. They should stop doing that. They got a new CEO, and he had a, a funny quote. He's actually an old Intel employee they brought back, and he said, "Look, we've got to be able to make better processors than some fruit company from California." And <laughs> and really, really, he was being sarcastic. It's true. Like, if, right. if Apple not could just processor manufacturers, yeah. they make laptops and desktops. Yeah, and basically, and like phones. their first foray into the industry is yeah. like, wow, this is yeah. like, amazing. Oh, we, we kicked the piss out of you. <laughs> I mean, Apple doesn't put out a product unless unless they're sure. But, I mean, that's uh, got to hurt going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at our next article from ArsTechnica.com. Chrome OS Flex is an ideal off-ramp for millions of PCs that can't run Windows 11. And I was reading about something this week, actually, that was like, there's a lot more computers than they thought that couldn't run Windows 11, and oh, so yeah. people yeah, looking for alternatives. Yeah, you know, most consumer laptops don't ship with a TPM. If you just go to Best Buy, half the laptops you see on the shelves don't have a TPM in them, and that's a requirement for Windows yeah. 11. Well, this article is a little bit kind of forgetting one point, which is, all right, maybe you can't run Windows 11. Guess what? 
you can still run Windows 10, yeah. which is supported through 2025. And so you, <laughs> you got a little more time before like you go three more years. Jump to another operating system. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's not that big of a deal. But you know, uh, Google has had their Chrome OS, which you've been able to buy Chromebooks, these low-priced laptops that you can run Chrome OS on. But they had to be official through Google or through Google's partners, like. Uh, uh, Toshiba, Samsung, several of those companies made uh, Chromebooks. Well, I think Asus actually made some. I'm mentioning them because we'll talk about them later. Uh, but there have been unofficial ports of Chrome OS that you could run on any laptop. And, you know, because it's all built on Chromium and, and Linux. And so people would kind of cobble together their own thing, but Google wouldn't support it. Well, one of the biggest projects that did that was a, a, a open source project called CloudReady. And Google has basically acquired them and, and given them the official blessing of saying, this isn't just a Chromium variant anymore. This is actual Chrome OS. And so now you can go and get Chrome OS Flex and install it on just about any laptop, old Macs, old Windows machines, and it'll run Chrome OS. Now you get a modern, currently supported operating system, and you can continue to use that device into the future. So Chrome OS Flex, is that the, the new name of, of what you were just saying? Right. So you still have Chrome OS, which yeah. is the official, you know, that's what comes on Chromebooks. But then Chrome OS Flex is just software. It's a, a software distribution you can install yourself. I feel like they were like the board members at Google were just sitting around going, how do we track the cheap bastards that won't buy a Chromebook? And even though their laptop is this would expired, do it. I've got an idea. <laughs> yep. Well, it's smart. Even though you said down, you know, people can still go to Windows 10. Sure. It's, it's definitely smart for these other companies to go, hey, Windows 11 won't work for you. And, you know, yeah. you, you don't have any option. Come here. So, yeah, yeah. it's good. Marketing. I mean, it, it's not like they don't have any option. Like you said, there's Windows 10. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, I know this would be a Linux fanboy saying, you know, there's Linux distributions out there that work pretty well as desktop operating systems. I'm thinking like elementary and Zorin and sure. other ones that are kind of like geared toward that. And they take up very little resources and they're a full-fledged operating system. They don't stop you from doing things. Yeah, I think so. there's a couple like kind of Windows clone. Or is it yeah. Mint or no? What, what is the one that people... Mint's not Windows clone, but... But it, it kind of looks a, like it. It's a great... Yeah, you, like, yeah, you could come over version. and yeah. as a Windows user and figure it out. Pretty yeah. quickly, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Chrome OS is pretty neat because you can run Android apps on it. In addition to you've got the Chrome browser, That's which true. is what most people need to do their work. Uh, it's not very resource intensive, so you can get it up and going pretty easy. Uh, it's it's kind of a neat way, especially if you've got like there were there's always Black Friday deals yeah. where there's those computers that have Celeron or i3 processors in them or the you know, the mobile Celerons. Yeah. Uh, and then they'll have 128 gigs of flash not not SSD like not not, not true NVMe right. or whatever but just flash, uh, and four gigs of RAM or three gigs of RAM. Those those things they can run Windows 10, but not very well. Yeah. But you throw Chrome OS Flex on there and it runs great. Now it's screaming. Yeah, yeah. No, I do all my gaming on those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, I'm not very good. Yeah. You, you joke about it, but uh, you can run the Steam client on there oh. or the GeForce Now and, you know, the, those cloud streaming services. Play that Battle leave. Tanks or whatever the hell is yeah. in the Google Play Store. Worms. Yeah. Worms. Yeah. I love the Worms games. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's good stuff. I believe it's pronounced Worms. Oh, my bad. Is it German? Is it? No. <laughs> in Germany, maybe. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move over now to our next article from TechRadar.com. Multiple vulnerabilities put 40 million Ubuntu users at risk. That can't be true. 
Oh, it says it right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. The snap right, it confine function had a flaw. Snap at it again, huh? Yeah. So, um, you know, the headline alone is not a big deal for us. We hear this every week, right? Yeah. And millions of people are always at risk. And uh, and we get a CV number and all that big deal, right? But, yeah. the, but the part that says this apart is the fact that it is a flaw in the snap confine function. Now, if you're not familiar with snap, I'm not snap is the, the packaging system that canonical the, the people who make Ubuntu have really been pushing over the last few years where they say, all right, instead of installing an application directly, and then, you know, you've got to make sure you have all the dependencies that come along with it. Instead, you can download a snap image and that image will have the application and all of its required libraries and other bits and pieces along with it, kind of like a container. I was going to say, yeah, it kind of sounds like Docker. Very yeah, similar very to similar. Docker, right? And then when you run the application, you see the application just like any other app, but it's actually running in its own little world with its, its own dependencies. Now, when this was first announced, a lot of security researchers were opposed to this. And the reason was... When you install an application directly, you can update the libraries, the dependencies. You can update them whenever you want. But when you get a snap, it's up to the application author to update that snap. And there could be libraries and dependencies in there that have known vulnerabilities, but the authors haven't chosen to update their snap image yet. You've, out, you've basically outsourced the updating process. Yeah. You're uh, trusting them to do it for you. Especially when the snap involves anything with Java. You could have five or six different oh, yeah. versions of the Java runtime environment because of these different snaps. Uh, so there's people like me where when I install Ubuntu, one of the first things I do is disable and remove SnapD. Just get it out of yeah. there because I don't want to use it. And, and you can still install all the applications directly. Plus, I mean, I'm just an old app user. Yeah. God forbid we just stick with that. It yep. works really well. And if you need to containerize, like you say, there's Docker. Yep. Now, we're talking about Snap, which is what Canonical pushed, but like Fedora supports Flatpak, which is same idea, just a different technology, same complaints. Every, everything I yeah. just said about Snap applies same to thing. Flatpak as well. Uh, so can, there, Is it like containers, though, where like, let's say you, there's a compromise there, can it jump out of that container, so to speak? So normally you can't, uh, but in this case you can, and that was the flaw. So the, yes. <laughs> they, they found a way to basically escape the, the sandbox that they were in. Uh, they did responsible disclosure. A patch was, was released, and so if you've done your Ubuntu updates, you are already protected from this. If you haven't done your updates, you need to do them, um, unless you don't use snaps. Updates right? are hard, though. You know, you got to press update and everything. Yeah. It's, Sounds like a lot of work. That that threat of a possible reboot is uh, oh, so man. much anxiety. I, I, I would rather like... take a beating to the cojones. I got to be honest. With you you. got to look at that as a break from work. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah right. Hey, I, I need my. I got no. I would love to be working, but this uh, thing here, Windows update. I just think snap, snap the, update. The gall of them expecting yeah. me to save my documents. I, I don't have time for that. Right? I mean, <laughs> the unmitigated gall. <laughs> I am constantly at risk of like if a power failure comes that I will lose <laughs> hours of work because you know, I'm not doing uh, it. It's funny we joke about it, but I'm not doing it. I use uh, I use Sublime Text yeah. as my my text editor. I, I I write almost everything in Sublime Text because I don't have to save. Yeah. Like if you close, I, the I use Atom. It does the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, it just saves for you. It, it, it doesn't really. It it's like a, it's it like, like a journal memory or something. Yeah, right? it's like journaling what you've done, and then just kind of saves it for you. I mean, that's the nice thing about like Windows, like Office three sixty five, is that you know it's there. oh right in yeah. the cloud, yeah. Yeah. and you and you've got the the revision history too right. because I mean everybody had you know a horror story about losing a term paper or oh, something, man. and you know back in college. I remember when I discovered Partition Tragic. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, brother. I was like, this is so cool. Where is all my stuff? So, oh, dear Jesus, please. Peter, you probably don't know, I don't this, know this one. The, the yeah. product was actually called Partition Magic. Yeah. Okay. And it was supposed to allow you to resize your hard drive. Okay. But it had a... Would you say a 50% fail rate? It was, Dude, it was rough. And when it failed, you were effed. Like, yeah. <laughs> just got rid of everything. Exactly. Yeah. Because you're like, cool, now this is resized, restart. It's like, what do you mean you can't find operating system? <laughs> I've got all this new room on my hard drive. What in the actual hell is happening here? <laughs> yeah, I wonder how they're able to get all this new room on my hard Oh, it's by deleting everything yeah. that I ever had? Oh. oh, that's nice. I'm going to go have Good a heart time. attack. Yeah, so <laughs> instead of partition magic, yeah. people affectionately called it partition magic. And this tragic. was well before, like... Like external drives for backups yeah. was like a yeah. like a real thing. Yeah, because I mean, for the longest time, it was like Mac had Time Machine and, and it was like yeah. Windows yeah. had, I don't know. They had this uh, <laughs> volume shadow copy. Yeah. yeah, you had some like the Windows backup, which yeah. is never quite as great. No. Uh, so you, that's why you had third party stuff yep. like a Cronus True Image or Norton Ghost. Remember yeah. that one? Or what we're going to talk about next oh, yeah. would be a great way to back well, up your stuff. Absolutely. Way right on, <laughs> if it sir. didn't suck. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, it's this week's Who Got Pwned. Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! All right, this one comes to us from Tom'sHardware.com. Deadbolt ransomware attacks target uh, Asus Store NAS. So this is like a um, uh, what's the one we were, we were talking about? The, the thing we have here, the QNAP. The QNAP. Yes, yep. this is like a QNAP kind of thing, but uh, this one doesn't work either. Yeah. So many, many companies and, and individuals have started using network attached storage devices that connect to the cloud in one form or another. Maybe they replicate to the cloud to have a second copy of the data, or more commonly, they connect to the cloud to make it where even if you're traveling and remote, you can still access your storage device. Well. You may remember from about four or five months ago, we reported on a malware that was spreading across QNAP devices. And so if you had a QNAP NAS, it could get hit by this malware that would then encrypt the entire storage appliance, which really sucks, mm. obviously. Uh, well, QNAP went through their deal. They pushed out a patch for it and kind of fixed it. Uh, but one of those malware programs, one called Deadbolt, is doing the rounds now, but not for QNAP this time. This time it's for Asus Store. Wait, so it's the same ransomware that, that was affecting QNAP? Yes, that is correct. Yep. They've, oh. they've ported it over to target these. And and who knows, maybe it worked against these in the very beginning and just nobody noticed. There, yeah. It's not as big a brand. Yeah, I was going to say, you'd go for the top first, where right. the most stuff is. Uh, but Asus Store is pretty big. They are a division of Asus, the, the people who make laptops and other devices, monitors, tons of computer equipment. Uh, my computer at home is mostly Asus hardware. Uh, Asus monitor, it's nice. Yeah, I, yeah. I like those stuff yep. I, I believe they're out of taiwan if i recall correctly yeah. um but uh but you know they, they generally make good stuff but in this case this they particular thing yeah <laughs> uh, on the software side the software absolutely side. they so phoned it in <laughs> even if you haven't logged in to the cloud service if you haven't activated the device still phones home to check for updates and the attackers are able to piggyback off of that to infect your nas and basically uh encrypt the whole thing which is bad uh some of the positives for this, uh, one positive is the ransom's pretty low. Looks like the average ransom is about $1,100. Uh, so it's not like crazy millions. I mean, mom and pop uh, are going to have a trouble. Yeah. But they could do it. It's an achievable number, yeah. I think. Um, but the, the only solution right now, because a patch has not been released, is to disconnect the device from the internet, which all of a sudden takes your network attached storage into not network yeah, attached. Exactly. It's an NAS. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, some of them actually do have like a USB cable you can plug so in to access say, it that way. This is a physical device. Mm -hmm. So is there 
I said, are, you, are there multiple interfaces on it? And one of them connects to the internet and one of them connects to your local network or how's it, how's it reaching out into the internet? Is it port forwarding? So it, or? it depends on the model you buy. Okay. Uh, I believe they do have one model that has a Wi-Fi card, but all of the others just plug into your, your regular network. Okay. And then they get, they get natted and go out to the internet. You know, they phone home yeah. and that's what builds that reverse tunnel to connect them up to the cloud service. Gotcha. Uh, so that's how they work. They get a direct IP on your network. Mm. Um, so, I feel like there's a way around this and still allow it to connect to the internet oh uh, outbound firewall rules yeah, that's that kind of thinking. stuff right, yeah right. you could you could certainly do protections uh but if the malware were able to get into the system then In it's not host. really gonna matter what you right. do but uh so the recommendation right now is to disconnect uh the folks at Azure store have been notified, but they've not put out a patch yet. And so this is one that's being actively exploited out there in the real world. Uh, you need to be aware. Hmm. Yeah, so if your NAS is infected, so unplug that mother like right now. Well, you know, let's take this as a learning lesson, right? Cause yeah. we've talked about QNAP. We've talked about Azure store. So maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, I got a Synology. What do I care? Yeah. Right. Or whatever. Do you have a, an NAS? I don't have any. No. No. All right. I have a, home built one. Um, but, uh, you, you apparently know, have a lot more data than I think do. about it. You do have a decent bit. Yeah. Uh, it's my Plex server. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because we all have access to it. Yeah. Well, I, have, I have a Plex server as well. <laughs> so, you know, use this as a moment though, to think about that device. Think about like, if it got hit with ransomware, could you restore it? And in the case of my Plex server, the answer is pretty much no. Uh, <laughs> I, I do have one offline backup of it. Uh, but if you got an offline backup, that's great. If not, you know, does my Plex server really need to go out to the internet? Like, do I ever connect to it from outside of my house? Hmm. The answer there is no, I don't. But like, I, I do download I do. metadata. I yeah. do. Oh, are you connected to mine? Yeah. I, think I got a few people connected. I connected. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, I'm, so uh, that's going to be an issue for me if you if you shut that down. But do you, you, know, have you, can, you have a Plex server? No, I, I have. You his. just use Don's. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. well, we like to share around here. I was going to say, hey, <laughs> if you got a Plex server, I'm going to need that login. <laughs> so oh, no. in those scenarios, you need to evaluate it, though, and say, does this actually need to be connected? In my case, apparently so. Uh, and if not, then you know, you could cut that off. You could put in a, a firewall. You could do all sorts yeah. of different things. Yeah. You should start like Don Plus, like your own uh, subscription. It's all fun and well, games, so the RIA shows up. I mean, I guess it, it starts like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it starts like exposing the idea that just because you're a home user doesn't necessarily mean you don't have stuff that sure. people want to have access to. So it is up to us and the onus yeah. is on us to start thinking yep. more securely and how maybe I should have already done firewall rules and things of that nature to well, keep. It doesn't matter if they want access to it. They want access to your money. They I mean, want access to everything. They want the ransom. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, right. It does not matter. If, if by very nature, the only thing they want is to have another bot in their botnet, yeah. Yeah. then they're coming for you. Well, you said we would not get political on this episode, but Don did say that Asus uh, is from Taiwan. He did not call it Chinese Taipei, so we just lost a billion <laughs> listeners. Wait, are we supposed to call it Chinese Taipei? I don't know. Oh, okay. So China track. says that Taiwan is China. And Taiwan Chinese says, Taipei. no, the hell it's not. All right. And there's some like saber rattling that goes on in there. We have historically, the United States has like, uh, how do I say this? We've, uh, we've said, we will defend you if an invasion occurs. Huh. Like Ukraine. <laughs> like Ukraine. <laughs> so apparently that is beginning to like become a more thin veiled threat then. Uh, <laughs> Like, yeah, right. like, there you go. Yeah, that's, we can't even talk about Ukraine just because news we don't know you. what's going to happen between when we record this episode <laughs> yeah, and then like a day true. later when it's out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's, we'll it's see. Yeah, we will. All right. Well, speaking of crazy things, uh, this next article certainly fits the bill, and it is our dough segment. Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, so, do. 
All right, this one was all over the place, but, uh, <laughs> but we found it on Slashdot.org. A father accidentally shut down his town's whole internet in an effort to limit his kids' screen time because the kids were basically addicted to social media. But what I love is is the time of day. Well, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it was midnight to 3 a.m. It's basically so, you know, he'd go to bed and, and he knew that the kids were going online then. And, and How did he take down his whole... A jammer. Yeah, so not not a not a rule or anything on his own yeah not network. like yeah, unplugging yeah. a cable in yeah. the house yeah so do you remember we covered an article last year about uh this one city where their cable broadband Wales, would go out yeah, every day yeah. at the same time and it was because this one family was turning on an old tv yeah, right yeah. and that disturbed uh, disturbed the signal this is similar but but that, little, that was not malicious this is a little he more madness tacked on doing it. anything with the internet he was just turning a tv on but this is in a country this is in france this is in france where yeah. jammers are illegal period <laughs> Uh, yeah, jammers are illegal here in the U.S. Oh, as well. Okay. So yes, they are yeah, illegal they're, here. They're, they're illegal okay. in most places. Uh, and what's going on here is that this father had apparently bought his children cell phones, right? So they, they had mobile devices with cellular internet. And the kids were staying up too late using their devices and not going to bed. So he had to come up with a solution, right? I like how his solution was build a jammer or buy a jammer or not. Hey, y'all, here's some flip phones. Give me those smartphones. See you later. Yeah. Or yeah, stop paying your bill. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> bedtime. That. Give me your phones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the, yeah, they make little jails you can buy, like time locked. He, he could have done parenting, but instead, <laughs> instead, he chose a different he, route. He went the nuclear option. He went the Listen, next he, he didn't want to be seen as the bad guy. He was like, I don't know what the hell this ain't working. What is the range on these jammers, though, to, well, to affect as much pretty. as it affected? So that's the interesting part here. So a lot of the jammers are supposed to be pretty, pretty focused, pretty uh-huh. small area. Yeah. And uh, the, the reason they're illegal here in the U.S., well, first off, the FCC controls those waves and you're not allowed to transmit on it. So there's that, yeah. right? But uh, uh, when cell phones started beginning to become popularized, and pagers especially, people started buying these jammers so they could take them with them to the movie theater. Mm -hmm. They got so tired of hearing beeps during movies. We did a story about a guy that had one in his car. Yes. To stop other commuters from being from on their watching phones. watching their phones instead of paying attention to the yeah. And he, yeah. And he yeah. was arrested as well because, yep. you, because you can't call 911. You can't yeah. you do it. Right. I mean, I can totally sympathize with it. but sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So this guy's apparently was a little bit more powerful. And, it, you know, they say he took down the whole internet. It really wasn't yeah. the whole internet. But basically, he disturbed the cell phone signal for his whole block. You know, for I think it were 10 or 12 yeah. houses. And now they all call affected. them the tumor family. Yeah. <laughs> They must have been somewhere rural for everybody to be on cellular internet as opposed yeah. to like, you know, yeah. cable broadband or something. Uh, but yeah, so the, from, from midnight to 3 a.m. and it happened enough times, people started calling in tickets. And so finally, the, the government had to investigate. That's like when how they many found the people in this town are up at midnight well, to 3 a.m.? That's the thing. Think get, about like, how long this was going work. on for that to happen. Because, yeah. you know, enough for, you know, a, a couple calls, they're going to check. No, service is fine. You know, how many calls do they have to get yeah. to say, okay, this, because they, they literally sent a person out there at midnight to walk <laughs> around, like, detecting signals yeah. and stuff, which is, I mean, that's hey, you like, get those, it is a black That's hole. tier two support. <laughs> yeah. You get those irate callers saying, look, on Showtime, Time, the best the French show time the best stuff comes on from midnight to 3 a.m. Right. Yeah, that's true that's true <laughs> as someone who had that's a friend with a satellite date in college <laughs> that's, that's great so how, how does a jammer work is it just sending out massive noise yeah it just it's on the same frequency and it sends out noise and so it it interferes with the cell signal yeah. and makes it where it's corrupted yeah hmm. yep. it's effective I'm sure oh, those yeah. kids couldn't get on the internet but you know 
those jammers are not cheap. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's right. illegal to own it, but is, is, like, well, is it's is one of those things illegal to buy, but just not use? He was just looking for a reason to buy a jammer, and he, yeah. he was a hammer looking for a nail and found it. Maybe. I, yeah. I think he, it was more of a passive-aggressive thing. I think he just didn't want to like discipline Pay. his children. And be the bad guy. Yeah. So I'll yeah, just disable the signal. And I wonder if his that. kids were the ones that called support. How'd that work out for him? <laughs> yeah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's really localized here in the kitchen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, they didn't... They didn't say what happened to the guy, but here in the U.S., you'd get a fine he was at executed. least. Oh, that's no. not, I saw it. It, said, it said he faces up to up to six months. In I mean, you guilty. know, it's probably first oh, offense they, kind of thing. But they just haven't sentenced him yet. No, yeah. He, okay. I mean, he was just found out basically. <laughs> but uh, there's there's fines uh, potentially, and I think I think it was like thirty thousand yeah. dollars equivalent in fines potentially, and and six months were were like maximum. Yeah. So it'll probably be. I I looked around this morning, and it, it must be legal to sell these because it was trivial for me to find numerous models that range from like one hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars, kind of mm. depending on how much of an area you wanted to shut off. So even here in the U.S., you can buy them pretty readily but using them uh, is illegal. And I believe there is a license you can apply for to get them approved. Yeah. But, uh, you know, not many people are going to have that. Those people that build, like, uh, mini cell phone towers in their car. Well, I was thinking more like uh, I've been to some military bases where they had phone-free zones where your phones did not work. Oh, yeah. So, you know, they are likely either using using that or it's just the radiation. (laughs) We'll we'll see how many tumors I have later. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'll get my my tumor needs a cigarette. I yeah. put that you got to be like that guy that put the Starlink dish on his on his, on his car. Okay. Just yeah. be, you know, would you get around jammers that way? Maybe what is it's, it's not cell. Right? Well, it, it's about a that? different frequency. Yeah, it's, yeah. Point, it's point yep. to point, and yeah, yeah. Yep. good stuff. Good times, fun right. times, technology. Woohoo! Hey everybody, got a big <laughs> webinar coming up here with with Daniel. Uh, it huh? is it is today Thursday. What's happening? February twenty fourth. You're doing a webinar. Okay. You do uh, a lot of webinars. Starting your ethical hacking career, a pen tester's guide, and it's with Philip Wiley, who is the pen tester blueprint author. Co-author. Co-author. Yes. yes. Fun fact. Yeah. He's a Wiley Coyote's cousin. Fun mm-hmm. fact. He was a professional wrestler. And he wrestled a bear, he wrestled according a to his, his bear. PowerPoint. Now the viewers are confused and wondering which of these stories is true. Yeah, all, all of them. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the book was put out by Wiley. If, right, Wiley no relation. Yeah, different, no relation. Different spelling. He threatened to wrestle them yes. if they did not comply, and they said, oh, He I was like, I will come this. from the, the, the top yeah. ring Bart thing. the bear was like, you better listen, this guy's legit. <laughs> <laughs> Bart the bear. Uh, all right, that's taking place, like I said, today, Thursday, February 24th. Head over to itpro.tv slash webinars to register for it. Or if you're listening after the fact, don't worry. Uh, it will be archived at that same page, itpro.tv slash webinars. And then head over to technado.com and check out the site and see all the latest episodes. Uh, check out some swag. Send us some uh, feedback. Let us know how we've disappointed you. And then <laughs> click the big orange button that says sponsored by IT Pro TV, where you can get a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal membership to IT Pro TV. And you can also request a team trial uh, for teams of, of two or more people and find out uh, the great features available to you there and uh, special pricing for businesses uh, all over there at technator.com. So check it out. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, good one. And... Um, yeah, I hope we're not invaded by Russia between now and next week. Are they invading us or are they invading you? You know, I got to think that it's a stepping stone. <laughs> it's a stepping stone. We have to get some separatists in town first. There you um, go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then you're on your way. That's you're like, oh, there's, there's pro-Russia leanings here in mm-hmm. Florida. 
<laughs> is there really? No, I'm, I'm saying if we get the separatists. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's yeah. It's, I thought you were saying the separatists are already follow, here. <laughs> Got to follow the instructions. They are not here. Okay. All right. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you guys next week right here on Technado with Don Pizzette.